0: X-Talks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This life science-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to keep you up to date. This week on the show... We are discussing how the approval of aducanumab will change how Alzheimer's disease is treated, but will it affect clinical trials? Enjoy the show.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Xtalks Life Science Podcast. I'm Sarah Hand, Editor-in-Chief at xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Sydney Perlmutter and Mira Nabulsi. Thanks for coming today. Um, So, today we're just going to discuss one um, story that I just published the other day. Um, And uh, this is yet another story based on my attendance at the uh, Alzheimer's Association International Conference, or AAIC, um, that was held last month. So, you know, even though the conference ended a month ago, I feel like there's still been a lot of talk in the uh, Alzheimer's community about. The outcomes of some of the um, meetings during the event. Uh, so I wanted to focus on a topic we've kind of touched on before, um, and that's the approval of aducanumab, which is that um, drug that was developed by Biogen to treat people with mild cognitive impairment. And it's actually the first drug approved in, I think, over two decades um, that that uh, is going to be used to treat Alzheimer's. And it's really obviously shaken up the industry in terms of uh, changing the the clinical paradigm for how um, Alzheimer's and dementia will be treated. There were a lot of questions about, you know, what patients um, should be treated with uh, aducanumab. But what I want to focus our discussion on today is actually how the approval of this drug is going to change Alzheimer's clinical trials, because uh, there's actually. A lot of factors at play here that are going to um change things going forward um so at uh one focused topic session during a a i c twenty twenty one uh I'd say there were really six big things um, that they identified as ways in which this drug approval is going to affect Alzheimer's trials going forward. Um, I won't touch on all six today, but I just wanted to kind of discuss with you and and get your thoughts on um, three of these things that I think are really going to be important for um, drug developers to consider. So um, the first Question really that I think people involved in in new drug development in Alzheimer's and and people who are um, currently conducting ongoing clinical trials, uh, the first question is, are placebo arms still ethical in these clinical trials? So, uh, you know, the gold standard in clinical research is to compare a new drug um, to a, a placebo or a sugar pill and see, you know, does this drug have any Benefit basically on, on the outcomes that you're looking at. Um, that's certainly a, a, the best way we have right now to test the efficacy of, of new drugs. But there's, um, there's ethical concerns around that when a drug is approved, um, the patients could benefit from. So, um, in the case of aducanumab, uh, you know, people who are starting to conduct new trials will have to answer the question of: um, Is it ethically right to ask patients to sign up for a trial um, of a new experimental therapy when they might receive the experimental therapy or they might receive, you know, nothing? And during the course of the trial, their dementia could could worsen. Um, And so, you know, a few of the speakers, I think, at the conference had different views on this, and certainly they looked to um, other disease areas to see, you know, what happened after the first disease-modifying treatment was approved. So, for example, uh, in the multiple sclerosis community, in 1993, a drug called beta-seron that was developed by Bayer was approved. Uh, and eventually, subsequent subsequent trials replaced their placebo control arms with an active comparator arm. So they actually started comparing um, new experimental drugs to beta to see if they would be better than that therapy. Uh, but certainly, it took time to do that. And one of the major um, benchmarks was really, you know, when beta-seron achieved um, uh uh, primary treatment status. So when that was something that that was used to treat a number of patients with um, with MS. Um, so first of all, I guess I just wanted to um, give you guys a chance to to comment on this. What do you think? Do you think, as it stands right now, with the approval of aducanumab? is it ethical to um, start new trials that are placebo-controlled and, and ask patients not to take this new drug that could potentially um, you know, delay the, uh, their, the onset of further dementia symptoms? What do you all think?
2: This actually reminds me. I don't know if you've watched Grey's Anatomy of this mm-hmm. like iconic scene slash this motif throughout it, where a patient uh, is part of an Alzheimer. I think it is Alzheimer's trial. I think So I think I know what you're talking about. Yes, yep. <laughs> and there's a little bit of you know uh, ethics involved, uh, but basically the main character, Doctor Meredith Grey, ends up switching the placebo with the actual mm-hmm. medication mm-hmm. in order to benefit a not family member, but I think a close friend or colleague. And uh, that it just kind of reminded me of that. And when I watched that, I thought that was so wrong. How could she do that? But in reality, I mean, that that kind of is what goes on without without the switching. Like there are always going to be patients who, you know, get the short end of the stick. And I feel like until there is a better way to, um, you know, have a control group, I don't really know what other options there would be. Like, Sarah, are there any other, you know, placebo alternatives that you know of? Yeah, so
1: one of the... um one of the main topics of of these sessions was talking about alternate study designs, because certainly there are different ways to conduct clinical trials, especially in the context of this new approval. Um, So some of the speakers were talking about, um, you know, what if we allowed patients to take aducanumab as a background therapy? So they are allowed to be enrolled into these clinical trials um, to test new drugs. They're already on aducanumab. We know about that. We're controlling for that as best we can. Um, and um, that would really kind of, I think, solve the ethical dilemma and and remove the need for that that placebo without the aducanumab. Um, however, it does introduce a lot of other variables. So all of a sudden, you've got someone who's already taking another drug um, to, to treat the Alzheimer's. So um, I think you're not always sure then... Um, in terms of the outcomes, you know, let's say, say patients see a great improvement. You don't know maybe necessarily if it's because of your drug that you're testing or the aducanumab, um, or the two drugs used in, in combination. And one of the concerns there was, um, for, Uh, drug makers, you know, if that were the outcome of a trial and they saw, oh, wow, our drug is is great when used in combination with aducanumab, um, that might only open the door for a combination approval from a a regulatory body like the FDA. So all of a sudden, your drug can only be used in combination with aducanumab. And sometimes that can... um, limit patient populations and things like that if you have people who didn't respond well to that before or there are some adverse events that are also related um to uh, taking aducanumab that need to be considered um so certainly there are alternate trial designs they just add in another layer of complication i think
3: Yeah. yeah i was i was thinking about um this dilemma while you were speaking and if I were to be just a patient you know wanting to or being a person wanting to put my parents in a clinical trial it's in hopes of having them be on the drug that is most probably going to help them Mm -hmm. in that sense you know the whole asking them whether they're okay to receive a placebo kind of puts a big issue in 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 the person's mind but again in science you kind of just have to have that so you have to remove the ethical um, question because then you know you'll have a proper trial with proper conclusions where you can say people that actually didn't take this had more likely chances of developing the Alzheimer. I don't know whether the other ways will be as concrete as that you know mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. I think that's the issue here is like if you were to think as a scientist, you always want to have that control group or most mm-hmm. of the time. But if you're thinking as a patient then you that, that seems unethical, right? So I, I don't think I have a certain conclusion in mind as to mm-hmm. whether this is ethical or not, because it kind of depends on the perspective you're coming in from. So it's a very interesting topic, actually. And uh, I'm curious to see how or where clinical trials will end up for this drug um, and how they conduct it.
1: Yeah, and you're right, there's a certain yeah. like leap of faith involved in participating in clinical research in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So generally the type of person who's going to um volunteer for a trial is someone who's like, you know, highly motivated to kind of take control of their own health. Mm-hmm. Um for a disease like Alzheimer's for which there are very few treatment options even with the approval of aducanumab, uh it has not been shown yet whether or not there is a clinical benefit. So mm-hmm. um so aducanumab does reduce the um, amount of amyloid in the brain, those amyloid plaques that are associated with alzheimer 's um, however it 's not been shown yet uh, whether or not that results in any cognitive benefit um, so that 's something that um, that the company's going to have to prove to the FDA in order to maintain their approval status for this drug um, but yeah I, so i think I think patients who would um, Want to participate in these trials are are highly motivated to you know try something new, and yeah. um and yeah and take that leap of faith because you're also taking the leap of faith, um, in terms of like safety as well. So there's been drug safety testing that's been done before trials, uh, however that's often in you know animal models. So you don't know until an actual real human person takes it, mm-hmm. um, what the you know negative side effects might be as well. So there's there's a lot going on there. Yeah. So aside from the um, placebo question, there's also something that we touched on in in previous episodes of the podcast. And I'd encourage our listeners to go back and check out the last few episodes uh, because we've been talking a lot about um, what we learned from AAIC this year. Um, And uh, this next issue is... About managing patient attrition in ongoing Alzheimer's trials. Um, so. Certainly, the concern is that now that there's a drug um, approved to treat, newly approved to treat Alzheimer's or mild cognitive impairment, um, that a lot of these ongoing clinical trials, you know, patients might decide to drop out in order to take the drug, uh, which is, you know, well within their rights. No one who ever signs up for a clinical trial is locked in for the study period if they ever want to drop out at any time they, they can. Um, and that's a concern because that really compromises the, um, the outcomes for these trials. So if you have enough patients dropping out, all of a sudden you don't have enough, um, of a patient group and enough data to look at in order to, uh, decide whether or not, you know, your therapy is, is effective or not, or, or, safe. Um, and so some of the speakers at these talks said, you know, so far in their trials, they haven't noticed patients um, dropping out, or many patients at least, which I think is a good sign. Um, And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that um, the prescribing decisions uh, are still being sort of laid out for aducanumab. There's a lot of um, doctors who are potentially uncomfortable with prescribing this to their patients. There was a lot of confusion about um, which patients this should be prescribed to. So those are all things that are sort of being worked out still. Um, However, they've talked about, you know, maybe we could allow the introduction of an anti-amyloid therapy mid-trial. It would certainly complicate, um, you know, analyzing the data afterwards to allow someone who's already enrolled in a trial to all of a sudden start taking this new drug. Uh, but that might minimize patient attrition. So that's something that they're looking at. Um, but I think something that um, that a lot of people in this, in this space are concerned about as well is the effect of the drug approval specifically on observational trials. So um, as opposed to clinical trials that are testing new drugs, observational trials are really looking at, uh, you know, what's the course of this disease. So someone with Alzheimer's might be enrolled in a trial, they might be checked up on every few months or or whatever the case may be, um, to see how their disease is progressing. And, and the aim is often just to get a better understanding of this disease so we can treat it better in the future. Um, you know, obviously those people are are likely to, if they're eligible, want to start taking this this drug as well. And that could really compromise um, results from these observational trials. Uh, but a lot of the speakers said, you know, they um, patients should be allowed to receive uh, this new drug and continue in, in studies, even if they're observational in nature. However, um, revised consent processes and counseling will need to be provided to these patients. So it complicates things. Um, in that way. So that's kind of the patient attrition side of things. The the third thing I wanted to talk to you both about um, is the fact that aducanumab was approved based only on a biomarker, so not on any clinical benefit just yet. So on the one hand, that really um, opens up um, pathways going forward for other drugs to be approved based on biomarkers, which, you know, might be a good thing. And then eventually they might prove clinical benefit. Um, however, uh, this also kind of opens a can of worms in terms of speaking to patients who are are currently enrolled in other trials about their amyloid status, um, in order to, um, determine their eligibility for aducanumab. So I think a lot of the conversations revolved around, uh, the need to, um, release that information to patients and their right to know that if they have a lot of amyloid in the brain, um, depending on how that's measured, that they would be, um, they would be eligible for aducanumab and, and sort of the counseling that goes along with that and the reconsenting process that goes along with that if they decide to continue in, in a trial that they're currently in. Um, and another part of this that, that complicates matters even further is that um, amyloid can be measured in different ways. So there are PET scans, um, there are cerebral spinal fluid um, ways to, to look for that biomarker. Um, some are a bit more informative than others. However, not all tests are covered by uh, insurance. So that's kind of another layer that that complicates, um, that complicates this. Uh, so any, any comments on that from either of you?
2: I think just like timing is a really big factor in an Alzheimer's clinical trial too, because mm-hmm. you know on the part of the patient and their family, they'd probably like to get them enrolled as soon as possible. But then there's all these you know kind of roadblocks and like you were like reconsenting after learning oh it's only been approved for this. Like mm-hmm. it, it would really be a tough decision if if I were in that position or a family member were in that position, um, and, and at the same time the disease is progressing as well so Mm -hmm. there's all these Mm -hmm. there's all these factors to to deal with and you 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 want to be part of something but you're also a little bit skeptical of the medication but it's progressing and this is kind of the only hope so there's so many moving parts and but it it is really um, you know good to hear that at least there is you know there's something that works and I would hope that you know five ten years down the line some of these ethical and uh, you know otherwise issues are starting to clear up.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, just to kind of round out our discussion, um, one big thing that's also going to affect whether or not patients even, uh, start to take aducanumab is, uh, is a cost issue. So, um, right now the price tag is $56,000 a year to be treated with aducanumab or Adjahelm, which is the, um, which is the proprietary name. Uh, and... Right now, not a lot of insurers have said that they'll cover it, so it's likely to be covered by by Medicaid. Um, However, Blue Cross Blue Shield, which is a big private insurer in the U.S., has already announced that for the time being, it's not planning on reimbursing patients that are covered under certain plans for the cost of aducanumab. So, I think the big thing there is um, because it was approved based on a biomarker, so it's you know clearing amyloid from the brain, um, but Biogen hasn't shown yet whether or not it actually improves, you know, cognitive symptoms or slows the progression or improves, you know, quality of life. Any of those like more concrete markers, I guess, of a drug's efficacy, um, a lot of insurers are like, Mm-mm, we're not going to cover the cost of this expensive drug right now. So really, I think that's something that's going to very much limit patients who are able to um, afford to take this drug. And just one of the concerns is that, um, you know, what if in the future Alzheimer's trials are made up of only those patients who couldn't afford to take aducanumab? You know, what does that mean like for the future of of Alzheimer's research? That's sort of segmenting the population in a different way. And I think introducing uh, some variables that that make it not so much um it's not so much diverse research at that point um so there's yeah certainly a lot of a lot of issues here that the industry has to grapple with
2: i just had a question about mm-hmm. um that is the is it already on the market if it has a price tag but there's still clinical trials going on yeah, it's already been approved. Um,
1: but it's approved just based on that biomarker. So Biogen's going to continue to do clinical trials to see, okay, what's the clinical benefit of this drug? Um, but yep, yeah, it's already been approved. I'm not sure that, a, like, you know, there's been very mixed reviews, I guess, from different large clinics in the U.S. saying, some are coming out and saying, we're not prescribing this to our patients until we see clinical benefit data. Um, I think others are like a little bit more open to it. At, at first, the FDA gave it a real blanket approval. So I think they said sort of anybody, uh, with Alzheimer's and amyloid positive status, could take Adjahelm. That was opening the doors to like millions of patients. Um, then the community really sort of, I think, petitioned the FDA and said, whoa, 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 we need to limit this a little bit more. Um, and then they revised their their um, approval and said, okay, just for patients with mild cognitive impairment. Because uh, I think the concern was, you know, what if we start giving this to patients who have amyloid in the brain, but don't have any cognitive impairment Like, is that ethical, considering we don't really know what the um, benefits will be? And there are, as I say, some risks associated with the drug. So maybe it's not necessarily better to be treated earlier, or maybe we just don't know that yet. Um, So yeah, trials are ongoing, um, but certainly in the Alzheimer's space as well, there are tons of other trials of other drugs um, that need to contend with the fact that now there is there's this approved drug, aducanumab, on the market. How do they deal with the fact that that's available now, and, and all of the stuff of um, trouble, you know, recruiting patients or, or um, retaining patients and, and that sort of thing?
2: Yeah. yeah, I think it would be a little premature to start prescribing it, given the price. The only uh, approved based on the one biomarker and the mm-hmm. risks. I think if your doctor was prescribing it to you, he, you know, was a little, a little too premature or was working for the company or something like that. Um but yeah, that price tag is is pretty steep. I feel like it's probably just the novelty of it, and hopefully, it will come 100%. down with time. Yeah,
1: yeah, because there's not a whole lot of competition, obviously, and that's like what we've seen in terms of like drug pricing. And obviously, that's a whole other controversial issue. It's certainly not the most expensive drug on the market right now, um, but it's but it's up there, and it's not an insignificant amount of money, especially if if uh, patients are paying you know, out of pocket for something like that. But I think especially with something like Alzheimer's, people are just so um, frankly desperate to find something that would slow the course. It's such a devastating disease. Uh, And so I just, yeah, I'm interested to see, you know, what, what's it going to be like? How many patients are really going to start taking this right now? Um, You know, what kind of doctors are going to be open to prescribing it right now? Lots of questions.
3: Yeah. yeah, I was going to say the good thing about it still being ongoing and it being available is I guess people that can't actually afford it can enroll in the clinical trial, can they not?
1: Yeah, I guess depending on what the yeah inclusion criteria yeah. is, I'm not sure... Um, I mean, we've seen a lot more like virtual trials in the past year, obviously, because of the pandemic, but I'm not sure this might be at certain sites. I believe this is a drug that needs to be infused. So it's not something, it's not just like a pill you can take Mm -hmm. at home. need to go to like an infusion clinic. So I'm sure that's limiting sites, you know, across the U.S. that can actually do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing is there's a lot of follow-up that needs to be done to look for these, um, uh, potential side effects. So there's a side effect called um, ARIA. I believe it's um, amyloid-related imaging abnormalities. Uh, and and that's something that needs to be followed up with, like, frequent MRIs. Mm. Um, so that's another thing. Patients really need to come in person for that. So yeah. you're right, though. Um, yeah, if patients were eligible, they could probably um, uh, apply to be in, in the trials. Yeah. And... Oftentimes, I don't know about Biogen doing it for this, but oftentimes companies will kind of um, establish, like, patient assistant plans to help patients pay for certain drugs.
3: Yeah, that's I'm not what I was sure.
1: thinking. Yeah, I'm not sure about all the, like, um, specifics of that. I often find that kind of confusing, and there, there's so much, like... Uh, it's very different, right, in the U.S. in terms of like health insurance coverage and stuff for drugs. Yeah. Um. But I'm wondering if it's premature for them to even, you know, establish something like that. Um. But I think until more um insurance companies, you know, cover it, I just there's just going to be so many patients who are not able to access it, and that yeah. that I think, you know, as a patient, that must be so frustrating. If even if you were very willing at this time to just take anything, um, yeah, that would be difficult.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, especially because Alzheimer's is such a sad disease. I don't know. My grandfather struggles with it, so I see it firsthand. Mm -hmm. And when we first discovered he had Alzheimer's and the limited options and availability we had to even helping him was really sad to see, especially because a lot of people do develop Alzheimer's in old age. So yeah, it's very, it's very exciting to see this drug, you know, have some positive impact, whether it's small or big, Mm -hmm. um, and see where the research goes from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I think everyone in the community is uh hopeful that, you know, ongoing trials will see that there is a clinical benefit and mm-hmm. kind of substantiate the the FDA's decision to approve it. And um and yeah, hopefully okay. it's a it's a good thing for these patients who need it. Okay, well, that's the end of this episode of the Xtalks Life Science Podcast. If you liked today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the X Talks Life Science Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find Xtalks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more.